What's wrong, Joe? You look Oof. nervous. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm just I'm nervous about this show tonight. Like I don't know what to do. So, well, come here. Come okay, here. what's up? Oof. Well, now you're not nervous anymore. You're pissed off. Damn right, I'm pissed off. Jeez. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all of your favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cutmore. Libby, what is shaking? I'm just a steel town girl on a Saturday night looking for the fight of my life. How about you? I'm a maniac, Libby. <laughs> I gotta tell you, just <laughs> I am a maniac and I'm on the floor. <laughs> and i'm dancing and dancing and dancing like never before all right so how about that um this is gonna be a hell of an episode because on tonight's episode uh we're discussing the soundtrack to 1983's flash dance which is probably one of the more 80s soundtracks of the it's, 80s it is the most 80s soundtrack that has ever 80s yes absolutely and the movie uh not so much it's a long music video. It's an hour and thir- 34 minutes of music video. Yeah. In all of the best and worst ways. <laughs> I mean, it, it can't be overstated how how much of an, a music video this is. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, So before we get into talking about Flashdance, uh, we got some business to take care of from our last episode. All right. So last time we talked about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and with 46.7% of the vote, I Can't Break Away won. Uh, 26.7% of you voted for Play With Me, and Walk Away and In Time were tied at 13.3%. Guys, Bricklin's mom is going to be really mad about this. She's going to be very disappointed. Bricklin worked really hard, and (laughs) they're in the King of Prussia History Center, so... Come on, show some respect. Our poll is the latest addition to the King of Prussia uh, <laughs> history exhibit on Brooklyn. And we still don't know who Robbie Rob is. We oh, never no determined clue. that. Not a clue. But you know, <laughs> if, this, if this poll wanted better numbers, they should have gotten Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, one of the things that we forgot, we completely neglected to mention about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, for as much as we talked about how uh, Bill and Ted really idolize eddie van halen and has as much as that movie really kind of idolizes back to the future it completely skipped us or passed us by that eddie van halen is actually in back to the future yes very briefly you see um when marty mcfly goes to tell george mcfly that if he doesn't ask lorraine baines to the dance he's gonna melt his brains he pops in a van halen tape into his walkman yeah and I think we talked about that on our Back to the Future episode. So I'll refer you back to episode three, I believe yes. it was. Yes. Way, so, way back. Yeah, you got to go back and listen to some of our classics. Uh, of course, here we're mourning the passage of Joel Batman Forever Schumacher. Yes, so, that's right. Who we make fun of mercilessly in our Batman Forever podcast, but who we, we owe a great debt to. But yeah, uh, yeah, God bless him for so many things, least, not Rest- the least of which Batman Forever. Yes, rest well, sweet neon prince. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. So, Libby, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, 
our movie this week, Flashdance. All right. So this week's movie, Flashdance, uh, is about a an 18-year-old welder by day, dancer by night named Alex, who wants nothing more than to become like the most beautiful ballerina in the whole world, despite having never actually taken any dance lessons, but just feeling the music and practicing a lot in her awesome loft slash dance studio. Uh, she has an affair with a 36-year-old guy named Nick, and he's dumb, and then she gets into dance school at the end. It's a uh, pretty simple story. I, I think we, we glossed over a big point there, which is that Nick is also her boss. Yes, I was going to get into that more, but it's a, <laughs> it's a Me Too fairy tale. Oh, God. <laughs> Me Too, a Cinderella story. <laughs> oh, but no. it has an awesome soundtrack that just 80s it so hard. Goes all in on the 80s. It is an iconic soundtrack and a Grammy award-winning soundtrack. Yes, yes. Ha- have we had a Grammy award-winning soundtrack on here before? I honestly can't remember. I know that uh, Kiss from a Rose from Batman Forever won a lot of awards, and it might have won a Grammy. It didn't. It lost to a couple other songs. Well, then there you go. <laughs> it lost to Colors of the Wind. That was Oh, it. that's right. Oh, oh. Yeesh. Which is aged better? I think we all know that it's Chris Morose. It's Chris Morose, everybody. So. Well, okay. So I have a lot of billboarding school to get through tonight. So oh, yes, you do. You better believe I do. So first things first, uh, the soundtrack came out, debuted on the Billboard Hot 200, uh, April 30th, 1983, at number 166. The number one album that week in America was Michael Jackson's Thriller. The top soundtrack that week, Libby, can you guess what the top soundtrack that week was? 1983? Yeah. Ooh. I have no idea. The top soundtrack was the soundtrack to Flashdance at number 166. (laughs) Okay. There were only four other soundtracks on the charts that week below Flashdance. They were uh, Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy, the biopic Gandhi, Tootsie, and the Broadway cast recording of Cats. All right. All did worse than Flashdance. Well, that's because Flashdance rules and Cats is kind of dumb. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so, and I don't even know what would be. I don't remember a pop hit from Gandhi. Yeah, yeah, right? The, the, <laughs> Was that really lighting up the dance floor charts? The Giorgio Moroder dance remix of the Gandhi theme? <laughs> I mean, I'd listen to it. Now I want it. Now I want it more than anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, So Flashdance hit number one on the charts in late June. And it knocked Thriller out of the top spot for exactly two weeks. Uh, so through the 4th of July weekend, which is kind of where we're uh, recording this right now, where you're hearing this, Flashdance was the number one album in America. Two weeks later, Thriller took back the top spot. But Flashdance lasted on the charts for 78 weeks, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it fell off the charts in late October. And the number one album that week was Prince's Purple Rain soundtrack. So, which was deeply influenced by Flashdance. Absolutely, yes. I also want to note that this movie came out 15 days before I was born. Oh, This movie wow. came out April 15th, 1983, and it has been with me for so long. I really, like, this movie is a part of me. It kind of makes makes sense then. Like, your birthday soundtrack was Flashdance and mine was Top Gun. <laughs> That's weirdly appropriate. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so like we mentioned, this is a very award-winning album. Uh, 1984, it was nominated for Album of the Year, but lost to Michael Jackson's Thriller. 
the other albums up for the award that year, album of the year, 1984, uh, Thriller, David Bowie's Let's Dance, The Police's Synchronicity, and Billy yes. Joel's An Innocent Man. I hate it. <laughs> it sucks and I hate it. Now, <laughs> it was also nominated for, or actually it won two other Grammys for Best Intermittent Composition for Giorgio Moroder's Love Theme. Oof. And it won the Grammy for Best Soundtrack Album, where it beat out, again, Gandhi and Tootsie, but also Staying Alive and Return of the Jedi. Ha! Take so, that, Star Wars. I, I, I regret to inform you, this is now a Star Wars podcast. We're now talking about Return of the Jedi. <laughs> How about that soundtrack, huh? <laughs> it's got Yup Nub. <laughs> Which I have the disco remix of by... Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. By Mecco, I've got it. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, this album also won the uh, 1984 Oscar for Best Original Song for What a Feeling. The other songs in that category were Maniac from Flashdance, Over You from the film Tender Mercies, and then two songs from Yentl, Papa Can You Hear Me and The Way He Makes Me Feel. Oh, boy. 1984, yeah, they, huh? Yeah, they picked a good one there. They, yeah, they really did. Flashdance is definitely the best song out of there. They even picked the right Flashdance song. So, although Maniac has its place. Uh, Maniac is a fun song, but I, yeah. we'll get into it. I prefer What a Feeling. Oh, yeah. But who wow. doesn't? So, let's talk about Flashdance. Yes, and this soundtrack goes mostly in order, with the exception of Maniac, which is placed at the end of the B-side. It's the... Uh, third song actually featured in the film. Yeah. But is is put right at the end. I uh, was which makes sorry. sense. Yeah. I was surprised at how many of like the like, really iconic scenes like happen very early in the film. Yeah. Like the first 30 minutes. Yeah, and then nothing for like 80 minutes and then the <laughs> the big scene at the very very end. Well, it keeps you hanging on. It does. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's start off uh with Irene Cara's flash dance. What a feeling. It takes us uh, from the credits right into the film. And I love how, as the song is playing... You get in those giant red letters the word flash dance. Yeah, which makes it look like someone's going to get murdered. It's epic and important, right? Yes, but I mean, also yeah. extremely ugly. It kind of makes me think of the killing fields, which it probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Oof. Oof. I can see that. Um, but I think that's that's the intent, like to give this more import than it actually has, you know? Yes. Because this is a very epic song. It is, and it starts off again, like, slow and inspirational, and then it goes into those hard synths, and it just rocks. Yes, yes. So, um, it's it's Giorgio Moroder as fuck. I mean, it, the whole soundtrack really is, but, like, this especially. Right, and he had he had a hand in, like, three or four of the big songs on the soundtrack, and, oh boy, when you hear him, you can tell. Oh, yeah, you could definitely tell, like, Giorgio Moroder. Super has, synth madness. Yes, he has entered the room. Now... This is one of those soundtracks that I've had on tape, I've had on CD, I've had digitally, and I have on vinyl. Mm -hmm. My mom gave me this soundtrack for Christmas on cassette tape when I was probably in about seventh grade. 
because she knew I liked 80s music. And so she thought this was a good idea. I think I probably saw it about a year later. I was probably not old enough. But when we did our gymnastics unit in like gym class. Yeah. Mine was set to Flashdance, What a Feeling. Oh, nice. So, and it was very inspired by the the last scene in the film. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not that great of a dancer, although I wish I was. I, I haven't had any formal training either. So me and Alex were basically the same. Yeah, you've got your kindred spirits here. I, I yeah. see it. So yeah. I guess that was your first exposure was like actually hearing the soundtrack. Yeah. Getting a copy of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Mine was... Based on the fact that I watched an almost criminally obscene amount of VH1 when I was a child. Oh, yeah. And I saw the two or three music videos kind of nonstop, and I sort of pieced the movie together in my head. <laughs> but hadn't actually seen it like start to finish until we did it for this. Yeah, it's actually, it's Top Gun, but for girls. It really is, yeah. Yeah, or like a slutty, dirty dancing. Dirty Dancing's already pretty slutty. But it's like chaste slutty. It's like romantic slutty. She's just like, you know, it, this has a lot more shots of thighs and butts. Oh, yeah, totally. So, yeah, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that yeah. one. It's dirty dancing, but for skanks. Mm. <laughs> now, can we compare uh, Alex to Maverick at all? Are they the, kind of the same character, do you think? She's pretty petulant. She is. So, but she's got big dreams. Mm-hmm. She's not so, up to the Maverick level yet. Nobody is. Nobody. And a lot of that is just Tom Cruise. It's true. Um, he brings that ego is like a side character, mm-hmm. but she's got big dreams because she wants to be a ballerina and she's working hard for it, but she's going about it her own way. The same way Maverick does. Right. She's not going through the the years and years of like forced parental training to go become a ballerina. She's just doing it as a hobby because she loves it. Exactly. It's, it's also why she's working as a, as a welder. You, you can, you get the feeling she doesn't love being a welder. It just pays the bills so that she can go dancing. Yeah, it should also be noted, and this is going to be important later, she's 18 years old. (laughs) Yeah. She's 18 years old and she's working as, it's not, Molly's isn't a strip club. We'll get into Molly's in a bit, but it's definitely, she's too young to be working there. She can't even drink there. That's true, yeah. Because she can like dance around in a thong. And it's perfectly okay. Yeah. yeah, everyone's good with it. So, and you know, I I thought about this too about her working at a steel mill. Like, would an eighteen year old really be working at a steel mill? But then I thought, you know, it is Pittsburgh and it's a steel town, and I'm sure she grew up with it. And I'm, you know, what? It's fine. They probably yeah. love the idea of having an eighteen year old girl on the site. You know. Well, they actually treat her very respectfully. They, honestly, most they of you guys her. do. Yeah. Yeah, except for one, <laughs> and we'll talk about Nick soon. Yeah. Stupid Nick. You're on watch, Nick. Yeah, you're on Chris Hansen's watch. (laughs) Why don't you have a seat, Nick? (laughs) This is an anti-Nick podcast. Any other thoughts on what a feeling? I'm not one for, like, inspirational music like this. Like, I, I, it kind of grates on me, like songs that you know, are, are all about, you know, do your own thing. And, and no one's no one's uh, as unique as you. That sounds like that. But for some reason, this one really gets to me. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. I, whenever I hear this on the radio, like, I instantly feel good. Yeah. One of my coworkers used to sing this to me when I would walk in the door. <laughs> <laughs> what a feeling. Oh, she's it here. Was, it was hysterical. <laughs> my coworker, Tom. 
I think it's just that one line that I really appreciate it where she just goes, uh, take your passion and make it happen. Like, that's really Although, all you my, need to hear. My sister used to sing that as take your pants off and make it happen. And, and, and in kind of what happens in this film. In Alex's line of work, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on. So by day, Alex is a an unassuming steel uh, steel worker. And by night, she puts on her superhero costume and dances for uh, bums at a, a bar called Mobby's. Yeah, and Mobby's Mobby's is a fucking dive and a half. Like she's doing these. Her and her fellow dancers are all doing these elaborately choreographed dance routines, which are all beautiful to watch. Um, but everyone else is like eating burgers and fries out of like paper sleeves. Yeah, those like awful like red plastic baskets you see at a corner market. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. And you just know the place smells of like unfiltered Marlboros and a grease trap that hasn't been cleaned in forty years. And Richie's not about to start now. Oh God, Richie! Uh, but yet there, the all the patrons there want to watch weird art dancing. <clears throat> yeah, the- all all these I uh, presumably steel workers that work with Alex probably mm-hmm. go to the nightclub to watch Alex dance and do this weird interpretive dances about, I guess, TV and stuff. Cause there's that one dance where she dances in front of a television set. Yeah. That's imagination. But right now we're, yeah, on, I know, I know. Uh, yeah. I know. We're on Shandy's. He's a dream. He's a so dream. Let's, yeah. Let's go to a clip. I want it noted that Shandi's full name is Shandi Cinnamon, S-I-N-N-O-M-O-N, which is the greatest name ever. Oh, that's, that's her amazing. real name. That's amazing. That's <laughs> and like this was so full of fun facts. I, I wrote in my notes that this song was recorded by a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> it was definitely. That's a great <laughs> way. But um and the versions that you hear in the film are not the versions of most of the songs that you hear. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, because this one has, in the film, it has a longer intro. Um, I saw this one is a choreography by a clown doll who is also David Byrne. Because <laughs> she starts off with this big suit and she's doing these really like herky-jerky kind of marionette moves. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I get that. And it, Again, why are steel workers watching this when they could be at the nudie bar down the street? I mean, something there's something to be said for, you know, wanting to dance but not do it in a gross strip club strip club context. But just and a I, gross burger joint context. I I mean, you gotta have you gotta keep some dignity, you know? I guess, and, but just like picture being at like a five guys and some girl comes out in clown makeup and starts dancing to Shandy's He's a Dream. Listen, five guys can only get so much better, okay? <laughs> but this song, this actually used to be one of my favorites. Um, it's because it's like really sultry mm-hmm. and really snotty. Like she's got this real snotty voice about like this guy thinks he's so awesome, but he's kind of not. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, he's a dream. He's a dream. <laughs> but, but we get she's it- just like not into it. Yeah, no. But we get in this scene like that iconic sort of 
like first performance of hers where she's like dancing on the chair and she does the pulls the chain and the water splashes down on her. Yes, and, and that's yeah, that's in the second verse. Um that has been parodied by everybody in the whole world. It has been parodied in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. It was parodied on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Brain Guy does an interpretive dance that includes that. Um, I remember in, that one. Yeah. Yes. It's in uh, The Horrors of Spider Island. It's, it's in, in Deadpool 2, I yep. guess. Um, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, you it's, can't get away from it. Yes, although I gotta say, her dance in that scene... I wouldn't use this song for it. Really? Because it never quite matches. I feel like her rhythm like isn't there. Yeah, I get that. It's it's one of those things where you could tell like she just they filmed her dancing and they didn't know what song to put there. Maybe. Um well because she's but she is mouthing the words. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, right okay. right at the end. But um also props to her uh body double. Mm-hmm. For dancing on a wet stage in high heels. (laughs) Now, her body double is, let me find that name. Hold on. I guess I'll just go, I'll just go ahead and say, I like the fact that during that dance number, they include so many of like the sound effects of her dancing, like the beads on her outfit rustling, the shoes tapping in the water, like dripping everywhere. I like that it gives this image that it's this impression that it's not meant to be sexy. It's just kind of a job. Everything yeah. that you hear, it makes it just seem a little bit grosser and like, oh, I am watching a person at work right now. Yeah, it's sexy, but not sexy, but also experimental, but also working class. Yeah, but like it's it's a job, but also you can tell that Alex just loves doing it. Yeah, she's super happy. Now, here's a fun fact. Her body double, uh, whose name is Maureen Johan, was the dancer at Torchies in uh, Streets of Fire. Oh, really? The one dancing to the blasters. Wow. Okay. Was, cool. Is her body double? Very wow. neat. At least in in a lot of these scenes, she had another body double for the break dancing scenes at the end, uh, whose name uh, was Crazy Legs. He did all the break dancing. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Crazy legs. Yeah. <laughs> but during this, as she's dancing on a wet stage, uh, in a very skimpy outfit, it we find out that. She's being watched by her boss, Nick. 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 He's watching her strip. <laughs> God, yeah. And he's all like, oh, I, you know, like, I want to know everything about her. And so, he, yeah, she he, works for you. Yeah, he doesn't know it at first. And then he, he, yeah. one of her coworkers is like, hey, she works for you. And that makes him more interested. Which is, again, she's 18. Uh, we also get to learn, we also meet... Uh, Richie, who is the cook, he sucks. All the, all, honestly, all the men, except for the owner of Mobby's, they all suck in this movie. Yeah. They're all garbage. For one reason or another, they're all the worst. Yeah, like, I think Jack is the name, Jack Mobby. Mm-hmm. He, he seems to take care of his girls and let them do these fucking weird dance routines in his bar. But, well, um, and too, he'll he'll get into it alas. too. Like later on, he like gets into costume and does a dance on the stage too. He doesn't care. Yes, luckily it's not a striptease. Thank God for that. Yeah, 
because he's greasy. But like, but, so, um, so why is yeah. Richie the worst? Because not only is he the fry cook, which is fine, but he's also a wannabe stand-up comedian. And all of his jokes are dumb Pollock jokes, and it's the fucking worst. They're not all dumb Pollock jokes. They're mostly dumb Pollock jokes. He makes some homophobic jokes, too. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> and he is dating Jeannie, who's a waitress and wannabe ice skater. So I do like that Jack tells him they don't let short people into Hollywood. <laughs> Which is funny because Tom Cruise is like four foot nine. <laughs> so, but nobody wants to see Tom Cruise strip. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so Nick is bugging Alex. Like, can I take work. you out? Yeah. Like, because she's this next day, she's at the uh, she's at the steel mill and she's clearly like reading and she has her headphones in and he will not stop bugging her. And she's clearly like not into it. And he tells her he's divorced way too fast. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, me too needs to come for Nick. Mm-hmm. So I want to see Flashdance rewritten as like me too, the musical. <laughs> No, I, I just about like the dancers uprising and they oh eat God. Nick. They eat Nick alive. Yes. Now, uh, for Nick, I know they they courted a bunch of different actors for this role, and none of them took it. Yeah, because it's a because uh, it's well, they originally wanted Gene Simmons to be Nick, uh, which I just I can't. My brain doesn't process that. Like, <laughs> I I can imagine Gene Simmons being a scuzzy boss to his one female employee. Actually, yeah. yeah. But also, exactly. we in the mix, we also had could have had Pierce Brosnan. That Rob- I would have liked, because Pierce Brosnan is hot. Oh, so he's hot, so that makes it okay. Oh, yeah, duh. I see how it is. Okay. Also, Robert De Niro. <laughs> no. Rich- <laughs> Richard Gere. No. Mel Gibson. Ooh, nothing Super- less said about... He probably wouldn't, because Jennifer Beals is Jewish, and he hates the Jews, so... Tom Hanks, John Travolta, and Kevin Costner also. Oh, my God. Tom Hanks would have been adorable, but also no. Yeah, that would really. have been kind of that would have been kind of funny. Yeah, like John Travolta, I could have seen in it maybe, but you know they found Michael Nury and yes, well. Michael Nury, <laughs> a guy who's so bland, he's not even that guy. Like, oh, that oh, where have I seen him? That guy, he's been in a million things. I couldn't tell you one of them. I'm looking at his his list of credits right here. I know a lot of these movies. I don't think I remember him in any of them. Yeah. His most recent credit is a film called Street Justice, where he plays a, <laughs> a, a police captain. So there you go. What a feeling. Do, 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 do. Street Justice. Oh, poor Michael Nuri. He's probably out there just trying to do his best. But, so she turns yeah, him I, down. She turns Nick a down a bunch cold. of times. It should be noticed she turns him down like nine times, and she like runs away from him. Yeah, like leave me alone, dude. I'm at work. I'm on my lunch break. Just give me a minute. <laughs> Ugh. She goes home that night and she gets into her workout clothes and does a dance routine workout in her giant warehouse loft apartment. Yes, and I don't even think. I mean, are we supposed to think like she's squatting there? Because she mentions that it was a warehouse. So did she like buy it? Is she a squatter? Like what? I don't. It's probably not zoned for housing. I think is what I'm trying to say. Well, has my, code been in there? <laughs> you, I don't know. My my feeling is that like you know, steel workers probably made a lot of money. Eighteen or eighteen years old or not, she probably made enough to fucking get a pretty damn good apartment. 
I guess, but like it's it's a big apartment. It and is. there are it's not like they it's been subdivided into other apartments. Yeah. So um I just I wanna know the legalities of her living situation. Her like her radiator breaks and she doesn't call a landlord, she fixes it herself, so which makes me think that she either owns the place or is squatting. Um right, but yeah. I've always been honestly that loft is that's my dream home right there. And like it seems like every movie in the eighties like this has someone living in a giant loft like that too. Yes. But I love it. That is I mean, I'm I'm looking around like my cute little nineteen fifteen house shaped house i'm like eh, it's not an industrial loft but i guess it'll do <laughs> it'll do for now yeah so she's furnished it beautifully but uh and this we also see the cutoff t-shirt mm-hmm. makes its is, first appearance yeah yes her uh, kind of again iconic look but we get probably the film's most memorable song which is michael sambello's maniac let's go to a clip Definitely the best, like, dance beat in the entire movie. Yes. Now, the story with this is that it was originally written for the film Maniac, but wasn't used, and so they just changed it instead of being about a serial killer to a 18-year-old welder by day, dancer by night. Which those things are really interchangeable when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, and it's the kind of, it's the kind of, like, urban legend that, like, makes too much sense. Like, no. If this were a real urban legend, they, this would have been un- written for, like, Maniac Cop or, <laughs> you know, just some some out-of-left-field out movie. But, like, no, it's just not that interesting a, a story. But, like, Maniac obviously is written for this movie. Like, it's just... No. I refuse to believe that. I'm going to believe that he rewrote the lyrics. Let really? me have my dream. Yes. Okay. I'm going to just continue believing that. I know it's I know it's not true. But I have to cling to it because it's too fucking funny. <laughs> I don't know, but okay, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> yeah, that's my my one like lunatic theory that I believe in that, and that Hamilton isn't a real show, but that's for another day. Um, you can't prove that it is. I don't have. I have so little opinion of Hamilton. I don't even know how to reply to that. Do you know anyone who's seen Hamilton? No. See what I mean? I don't know anybody who has a hundred thousand dollars to blow on one ticket. No. Exactly, because it's not real. Let's move on. Back to Maniac. Tell me about Maniac. So, um, this song, again, uh, the film's other iconic scene, as she's dancing, we get her doing, like, the kind of jogging dance. Yeah. And this one, you see, this one is also parodied a lot. You see it, we see it in Tommy Boy. Yes. uh, After the cow tipping. Um, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yep, it's been parodied on, um, on Family Guy. The Simpsons, again, MST3K used it in the same sequence as the, the last one. Everyone you know has done this. Oh, yeah. And everyone you know knows the line, uh, I, she's a maniac, maniac on the floor, and she's dancing like she's never danced before. It's just, it's iconic. I have pictures of my friends dancing to this. So like, <laughs> people who haven't even seen the film Flashdance know that that kind of jogging dance that she does mm-hmm. yeah wow. and and again this isn't like some sexy dance she does just for the camera like this is like her regular workout that she does all the time 
Yeah. And you can tell she's like sweating it like crazy. Yeah, and it's great. But um, but it is sexy and it is great, so I'm not going to complain. But also, again, just like with the, her dance routine at the bar, like you can tell she loves doing this and she's super serious about it. Mm-hmm. That's just so this, this is, is her a, thing. It is a great song to work out to. It is. It's got a really good like beat. Like I wouldn't so. I wouldn't walk on a treadmill to this. I would be dancing or something. Yeah, I would kind of want to see that. I'm going to play this at your wedding. Um, just to watch me. D- oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll do it. You know I will. She, she will. I, I believe yeah. it. Because I'm a maniac. She is a maniac, everybody. <laughs> so, but again, this is this is one of the album's sort of harder tracks. Because it's, a, a lot of them, for starters, are done by women. This is one of only three tracks by men. Yeah, and it's a, definitely like the 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 fastest, like most up tempo of all the tracks in this album. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are very sort of low key and like very synth heavy, but still very like chill and low key. Like again, just like with um, Top Gun and how how chill wave I guess or synth wave that is. This is really more of that. This is more Top Gun than Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Again, extremely uh, Giorgio Moroder. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, and this one specifically was produced by Phil Ramone, who was the music supervisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he definitely had a real hand in this one. But this really shows the mm. style of this film, which is, it's very episodic. There really aren't any transitions. It just sort of, like, jumps from scene to scene. But the focus really is on the music and these sort of music video style shoots, which, in 1983, wasn't something that was really being done. MTV was still fairly new. But... The importance of Flashdance cannot be overstated because with the success of this, um, obviously we saw a real rise in how these in films that did this with their music. So uh, we've got Footloose, mm-hmm. stole a lot from it. Also, uh, Nine and a Half Weeks, which is also uh, directed by Adrian Lin. Um, you think of the, the sequence with the um, Devo's Bread and Butter. Yeah. Again, yeah. very music video style. Um, same with like Slave to Love. Mm-hmm. Um, Top Gun, obviously another Jerry Bruckheimer film. Purple Rain. All of these took their cues from Flashdance. Yeah. The New Yorker like famously panned this as being basically a series of rock videos. And that's not wrong, but that's also like to say that that's bad is kind of missing the point. Mm-hmm. And especially when you think of that music videos were a brand new thing. Yeah. And so does it make for the most comprehensive film? No, but it makes for an intensely watchable one. And weirdly enough, one that is rewatchable because you kind of don't have to bother with the plot because the plot is paper fucking thin. Yeah, it's, it's like, really it's so unimportant in this in yeah. the scheme of this film. But like, so. I know um, they approached uh, both Brian De Palma and David Cronenberg to direct this movie. And I honestly <laughs> I can't imagine what that would have looked like. <laughs> Cronenberg's flash dance. <laughs> like it, it would have been a body horror film about dancing. It would basically be Black Swan, right? Oh my god! But they both passed because I think they both knew like this is not our thing. This is not an actual movie. No, this is not real. So but much then... as it's a lot of ladies in their underwear. <laughs> but then they, they they pulled in Adrian Lin, who had come from like the world of doing TV commercials. And I think that helps because that, like, he knew how to sort of establish an idea quickly and hold your idea for, like, a couple of minutes. And he does that, like, constantly throughout the film. Like, every little scene is, like, a music video, and it works. Mm-hmm. And 
like you know people they called this like a very mtv style production but like that's what the movie is that's they, they're not trying to do anything besides make a m- movie into music videos so yeah it's a soundtrack with a movie as opposed to a it, movie with a soundtrack perfect thank you yeah like <laughs> we came for the dancing show us some dancing don't give us plot who cares yeah exactly it's like uh, they fall in love and she wants to be fancy at the end it's a real snobs versus slobs for girls but, yeah but the, the caddy shack for women <laughs> but the <laughs> not really hey everybody we're all gonna get laid <laughs> Less Kenny Loggins, though. That's true. It's it's a hundred percent less Kenny Loggins, <laughs> which is good in some ways. Not yeah. so great in others. Can you imagine if if uh, she danced to "I'm All Right" at the end of this movie? That would be the best thing ever. <laughs> but yeah, and that's that's the whole thing with this scene is she's watching like quote unquote real dancers on TV, and then she's like, "Well, I guess I have to practice." So, but rather than go dance to, you know some piece from the Nutcracker Suite, she goes and dances to uh, Maniac by Michael Sambello. Mm-hmm. So, which is cool. It's like, you do you, girl. Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's the, the new style of dancing that's not accepted by the Academy yet or something yeah. like that. And because later, after this, she the next scene is she goes to uh, the, the Academy to apply. And again, you see all these beautiful waif-like dancers. Not that Jennifer Beals isn't. I mean, she's gorgeous. She's got this beautiful elfin face. Um, and she's there in like her sneakers and or her work boots, actually. Yeah. And her jeans and all these other girls are in like their leggings and their, their toe shoes, which seems weird to just like wear those. You're just picking up the form. Yeah, it's just ballet flats. Like you can't actually walk. Who, who walks around in ballet flats? Like, yeah, every in, day? in toe shoes. Like, yeah. Um, but as she doesn't get the application because she, you know. She gets intimidated because the lady like is explaining to every girl, like, you know, put down all of your, uh, all the schools that you went to, your most recent being first, like it's a typical resume. And she just gets like uh, intimidated out of it because she's never had any training. What did she put yeah. down? So uh, once again, you know, we have a scene of Nick being super creepy and she's just like, no, I don't want to date my boss. Like, and he's like, well, come on. Can I buy you dinner? Can I buy you lunch? Can I buy you a snack? Like, honestly, if, if there were cell phones in 1983, that guy would send a picture of his dick. Absolutely. He's probably faxed her a picture of his wiener. <laughs> Black and white. Oh. <laughs> Top matrix printout of his dick. 200, 200 times uh, blown up. Ugh. <laughs> Take up gross. the whole take up the whole page. Don't want to waste any white space. Oh, gross. <laughs> but again, Nick, no means no man. Yeah, for real. She doesn't want to go out with you. So if honestly, if you were Tom Hanks, she might consider it, but no. I feel I honestly have already forgotten that guy's name. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's Michael Nuri, but for a second I was like, what's the guy's name from Streets of Fire? Because I'm pretty sure it's him. <laughs> Michael Perry. <Gosh. laughs> Michael Nuri is not Michael Perry, but you can't convince me they aren't. <laughs> and honestly, Streets of Fire takes a lot from this movie. It does, yeah. Because it's all music videos. There's no plot to Streets of Fire, as we established on our episode about Streets of Fire. Yep. Again, sorry, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> eh, you know. Streets of Fire is Flashdance for dudes. Mm-hmm. And Flashdance is Top Gun for girls. So it's yeah. all like one big Ouroboros of 80s bullshit. <laughs> The 80s are just eating its own tail nonstop. Oh, the 80s are amazing. I love it. How do you not love it? 
Yes. Uh, but then, then we're introduced to what can only who can best be described as the villain of the film. If there's really uh, a villain, Hannah. No, not Hannah. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? In my notes, I basically skipped over Hannah completely, and I feel bad no. about that. No. Hannah has the most. Hannah is sort of her her dance godmother, uh, and she's. Uh, it's implied that she was a Follies girl, and she had been a professional dancer. She's kind of this grandmother figure, and mm-hmm. she's encouraging her. And this again, Hannah points out, like you're 18, so that's very clear. And Nick has no reason for not knowing that. Yeah, but what she's trying to tell her is, you're 18. You have no reason not to go out and give it your best shot. But what the movie yeah. is saying is, you're 18, and your boss is 36. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's younger than me. <laughs> and I'm not gonna hit on some 18 year old. Good God, I'm. Um, but she, I was thinking about this. She was saying, they won't take you unless you apply. And that's really good. Like, they can't say yes to you if you don't give it your all. So just go out there and give it your all. It can't hurt. You, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. I mean, but, but what if they said no? Like, I, I, just, I, I, I just can't take that kind of rejection. <laughs> it's her density. It's her density. Yeah. <laughs> So we also learned that she's Catholic and she thinks about sex a lot and that mm-hmm. she didn't think she belonged there. And then, okay, so now we meet the f- the film's uh, villain. N- I nominal guess. villain, yes. It's uh, fear lead singer Lee Ving as uh, this strip club promoter named Johnny. And he has a great line to his silent uh, co-conspirator there where he calls, he says, you look like a one-man slum, which is some real Joe Esterhouse dialogue. <laughs> That's great. But uh, yeah, so um, Johnny is trying to get Alex to come and see his new nightclub. It's called Zanzibar. And it's an actual like real strip club where they it's, take their clothes off and everything. Yeah, it's a nudie bar. <laughs> it's a nudie they've got like live nude girls. Yeah. He doesn't want her to come see the club. He wants her to come work at the club. Yeah, which I don't think – I think that would be kind of pointless because as we see later in the film – they don't really do a lot of dancing there, so it's kind of a waste of her talent, honestly. It really is, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get there in a minute because there's some very odd stuff going on in Zanzibar. Yes, and Jeannie and Alex are doing their laundry. We see that Jeannie is doing Richie's laundry, which, like, don't do that. That guy sucks. Yeah, no. really. Plus, Richie, you can't do your own laundry. Seriously. Yeah, well, he can't do anything. He's useless. She's going to be on Reddit like, my boyfriend doesn't do his own laundry. He wants to be a stand-up comedian, but all he does is uh, tell Pollock jokes and nobody likes him. Am I the asshole for breaking up with him? No. How can I save this relationship? You can oh. save it by ending it. Yeah, because Richie sucks. Putting it out uh, of its misery. And... Uh, Jeannie asks her how long it took for her to learn to dance like that. And she says 25 years. Again, she's 18. So I guess she was dancing before the womb. Ugh, yeah. Dancing in her mom's like uterus as an egg. Yikes. <laughs> so, and we have a brief workout scene set to Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll, which is not on the soundtrack. That's a um, weird scene. Yeah, because it's entirely in a white room. Yeah. It's extremely music video. It's super duper music video. So, and it's like, it's, you really only see, a lot of times you only see them from like the chest up or they do like the, like pan up shots, like from knees, linger on crotch up to tits. Yeah. It's a lot of like close ups and you, when you do see the background, it's just like a white sheet. It's so strange. Yeah. It's real male gazy, but <laughs> really an is. extremely early eighties music video. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, so they, 
we learn about the genie is a figure skater. Yes, yes. And and Alex is like, oh, can you teach me to skate? Fun fact, I also cannot ice skate. I have skated exactly one time in my life, and I didn't bust my ass, so I'm counting it as a win. I've skated twice. Um, once I, the ice was too, it was like there was slush and I slipped. Ooh. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't die, but it was just like not fun. And the second time, uh, a boy took me skating at like a skating rink on a date, and then he fell and we ended up in the hospital, so... I feel like that's how a lot of ice skate dates go. Yeah, it's is... like, and it was weird because it was in Oklahoma, and like I have plenty of ice up here. I live in upstate New York, but like I ice skated in Oklahoma, so huh. yeah, ice skating's okay, I guess. Yeah, I should probably learn at some point, but yeah, yeah, I'm in no rush, and but only honestly if they're playing Gloria, which we'll talk about later. That's true. Um, and. So then they go see Richie on stage and definitely got to put some of Richie's jokes in here because well, they're offensive and terrible. Well, we we're missing a, a really fun scene where they're kind of going home from their workout and they come across these two kids like popping and locking in the street. Oh, yeah. That's a fun little scene. And it, and it goes back to um, kind of the style of Nine and a Half Weeks where it's just the characters walking around and you see sort of the, the culture of the city. And it's just yeah. it's two kids dancing, and the whole movie's about dancing. And I just like that they sh- they stop for once to show us two kids popping and locking, and then break dancing. To um, it's the Jimmy Castor Bunch's song. It's just begun. It's a really fun scene. Yeah, it's, it it's, is. And again, it's one of those songs that I wish was on the soundtrack, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't fit with the vibe. Yeah, it's it's um, a little more like um, it's got a little bit more of that sort of documentary vibe that I talked about with Nine and a Half Weeks, but it just doesn't relate to the movie at all. Yeah, and it doesn't, it's not, again, like that, it's it's not produced by Giorgio Moroder. Like, it's not sort of so dis- disco-esque, like, yeah. so that it doesn't quite, yeah, fit on on this particular soundtrack. Yeah. Same with I Love Rock and Roll. Yeah. Like, they don't have that, it's that post-disco, not quite uh, new wave feel. Yeah, I think what I like about it is just the fact that, like, Apparently, Adrian Lynn really likes to give sort of the full breadth of like the community of what's going on. Like, it's not just like 80s synth pop, it's like funk music, it's classic rock, it's everything kind of happening all at the same time. Yeah, I appreciate that. And especially at that intersection of of the 80s as we were coming out of out of disco with the huge disco backlash, but we're still getting, yeah, a lot of funk. Hip hop is on the rise, um, and we're seeing all these different things intersect. And also, I love his films are so fucking grimy. They but they're are. not grimy like, look how grimy this is. They're organically grimy, like peaches from a roadside stand. Yeah, well, you, you see filthy. how real it is, but it actually feels real because he's not trying to rub your face in it. Yeah, and it's just that is how those sets are. Like, they don't clean them up, but they don't dirty them up either. Exactly. It's exactly. Th- these films feel very alive. Mm-hmm. So, which is weird because, again, like the soundtrack is so synthetic. It's so synth and it's so phony, but the movie is, is a little bit different. Yeah, it has a, has a very it. real feel to it. But yeah, so let's talk about Richie on stage. Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, God. Richie gets up there and he tries, he, he bombs so bad with his awful Pollock jokes. You're about the Pollock bank robber? He tied up the safe and blew the guard. <laughs> uh, what's a pimple on a Pollock's ass? A brain tumor. Bring on the bimbos. Hey, come on, guys. Could you give me a break? As soon as someone heckles him, you know, Johnny heckles Richie to get off the stage. And then all of a sudden, Johnny, like, or no, Richie just kind of like 
he picks himself up and starts cracking jokes back. And all of a sudden, hey, everybody loves him. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they probably feel sorry for him because he sucks so bad. He does. He he does suck. But I think like everybody loves him. Like, oh, God bless him. He's trying. Eh, whatever, kid. I hate him so much. And especially because he takes up too much stage time when we could be talking about uh, Karen Kaman's Manhunt. Let's go to Manhunt, everybody. Yes. Oh, God, this is my favorite song on this album. Mm -hmm. I love this song so much, Um, in part because it reminds me of a very specific detective on The Shield. Fans of The Shadow Shield know who I'm talking about. (laughs) I like that this is kind of the exact opposite of uh, Blondie's Call Me, because the music is basically a ripoff of Blondie's Call Me. It's extremely a ripoff of Blondie's Call Me. But you know what? That song rules, and this one kind of does, too. Yeah, um, and uh, Karen Kamon was married to Phil Ramone and actually oh. died earlier this year. She died oh, no. back in March. Yeah, at age 68, which is young. That is young, yeah. I hadn't heard about that one. Well, I, I wrote down in my notes that this is this song plays over Jeannie's big dance number and then in parentheses, or does it? Because <laughs> it's hard to tell if this is Jeannie or not. No, it is actually uh, Tina Tech, who's played by Cynthia Rhodes, who was also Penny in Dirty Dancing. She was in Staying oh. Alive as Jackie. She was, for a time, married to Richard Marks. Wow, okay. Yes. Um, so she right, is a dancer in the music video for Rosanna, The Woman in You, and Don't Mean Nothing. And she also was a dancer for The Tubes. Oh, wow. Yes. That's, so, a, that's a pretty solid uh, resume. Yeah. Uh, she's pretty hardcore. Her and Richard Marks have since divorced. But um, but yeah, this is, and again, this is one of my favorite dance routines, even though for some reason she's wearing a catcher's mitt or like a catcher's <laughs> mask at the top of it. Yeah, that's what? well, that's why I, I couldn't tell who it was. <laughs> it was a genie. Yeah. Well, if it is supposed to be genie and like, well, maybe the actress didn't want to do the, the dance number. So then they put a mask over the body double so they couldn't, you couldn't tell it wasn't genie. <laughs> Yeah, but then she takes off the mask and it's like, yeah. one, two, three, and then starts dancing. Now, uh, Karen, come on, um, was also in, uh, she sang Squeeze Play on the soundtrack to DC Cab, which is Ooh. a Joel Schumacher film. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. Yes, uh, and I believe uh, Gigi Moroder also produced that soundtrack. He did, yeah. Yes, so... The, um, D, the DC Cab soundtrack also, every record store I've ever been into in my life has had three copies of that soundtrack really? on vinyl. Yes. Like, it's just one of those dollar store things you just, they just can't get rid of. Nobody wants it. Yes. Well, Irene Cara, who sang Flashdance, What a Feeling, is actually in the film. Mm, so yeah. she also performs the main title theme. And Gary Busey performs a song called Why Baby Why? Damn, we should why, do, we baby, why, indeed. We should do an episode on that. What are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. it's got DeBarge. It's got Jimmy Cliff. Shalimar, who's in Footloose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. DC Cab is an, an underappreciated film, I think. I think we're going to have to talk about it at some point. This, like I said, this song 
is so sexy and so it's like it's grimy it's also again like one of the harder tracks Mm because it's it definitely like there's some guitar shredding in there yeah definitely this is like this is the closest to classic rock this soundtrack has really yeah it's disco but the shreds yeah yeah that's a good way to put it yeah um again it's a slightly different version in the film than on the album uh the uh, the film version has heavier drum machines Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's actually a human in this. I think it's all just machines, except w- for Karen. R.I.P. I believe it. I completely believe so. it. And Cynthia Rhodes does just the most incredible athletics. She mm. is crazy, crazy and, good. And then, meanwhile, during this dance number, uh, Johnny grabs Alex's ass, and she kind of rebukes him. She dumps his beer in his lap. Yep. Which leads into the next scene where uh, Johnny kicks Richie's ass out in the parking lot. Yeah. So uh, Richie comes to defend because they're grabbing at uh, at Alex and she's like, let go. And Richie tries to defend her and then Richie gets punched. And then fuckboy Nick stands up out of his car is like, let her go. Like, have you been there the whole fucking time? He he just wanted to watch Ricky get his ass beat. Well, I mean, we all do, but still... (laughs) He's like, all right, that's done. I guess I better step in now. Yeah, but it's like, you're just going to let them, like, rough up Alex for three minutes, and then you're going to be like, stop, let her go. Like, are you on fucking lewds, man? He's going to make and her then, appreciate him first. I guess. And then she, he offers her a ride home, and she's like, uh, no. And so he follows her home. Yeah, like, she, in his car. It, while she's riding her bicycle down the street, and he's, like, right behind her with the lights on. Yeah, which again is like I hope she has pepper spray. Yeah, really. Well, she has a a pit bull at home that apparently is is uh not the meanest pit bull you've ever seen. It's it's actually kind of an adorable dog, but It's uh, an adorable pit bull. It um is. but he she points out that he gets upset when people he doesn't know follow me home. <laughs> She's not taking the shit. Now all the while uh we actually uh the love theme from Flashdance is playing. Yes, during the scene where he follows her home. Which just goes like do 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 like for it's a riff that's repeated about two hundred times throughout the film. Yeah, and there are some different sort of arrangements of it and different uh waves in that song. And I like it, but there's something about that theme that love theme that makes me think this is really tragic and that something bad's gonna happen at the end of the film and it never pays off. Yeah, it definitely has like a weird kind of minor sound to it. Yeah, it's it's kind of ominous. Yeah, it really, yeah, ominous is a good word for it, especially when he's following her home. Yeah, and it's like, like, he... like every woman you know, myself included, has had some dude like follow her down the street. Uh, yeah, I believe that. And so, like, if your boss is following you home, again, like, ugh. call ugh. yeah, yeesh, call somebody. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and then she's like, I don't want to date the boss. So he says, you're fired. I'll pick you up at eight. Which God, was, he sucks so hard. Which is an empty threat because then he didn't fire her. He didn't actually fire her. Yeah. But still, like, ah, oh, Nick sucks. Yeah. And all, all I'm saying there is like, you know, he, he makes that gesture like, oh, you're fired. I'll pick you up at eight. So, oh, shit. She lost her job. No, he just said that. And she still went along with it. Damn it, yeah. Alex. Well, again, she's 18. He's grooming her. I just really yeah, want to like pull yeah. her aside and be like, you don't have to take this. That's it's, it's rough. Yeah. Poor Alex. So let's move on. We very quickly get uh, Laura Branigan's Gloria, 
which mm-hmm. is not on the soundtrack. It should have and been. Yes, because that song rules and makes everybody happy, mm-hmm. um, except for Jeannie, who falls during her ice skating routine. It's very sad, very tragic. Yeah. I, I felt very bad during the scene. Yeah, it's and like her dad is finally proud of her after being super grouchy, but it's it is it's awful and but it's such a good contrast because it's like she's collapsed on the ice she can't get up she's hurt her knee and like the song is still playing and the spotlight is still on her it's this like great upbeat disco tune and it's yeah it's very ironic yeah so <laughs> but also this oh. is like a scene where alex kind of kind of looks at this and sees like you know this is this could be my future i could have my big moment and i could fuck it up yeah and so. it's a little spooky a little terrifying everybody has that moment too that they can identify with so that's there yeah. it is right there um but and you're like oh you know that was her only chance like really one chance come on yeah yeah i think, I think yeah yeah nick says like oh she'll do better next year and she's like no she won't that was her chance i think she could she's 18 i think she's got a couple more years in her mm-hmm. um and then he offers to take her out to dinner and he's like oh we get steak we like we could get pizza it's like dude she's 18 of course she's gonna want pizza of course which which then she does and they take her pizza home yeah <sighs> so and he's really awful to her and she takes her bra off under a sweatshirt which i can do just which i once had to demonstrate for, <laughs> like i uh i remember i was hanging out with my friends mike and jason and i don't know how we got talking about it and i was like yeah all girls can do that just take your bra off without taking off your shirt and i just like did it in mike's living room just like pulled off my lace bra and was like there you go <laughs> so it's a fun party trick i guess yeah i guess but, but nick is nick is like stunned at this yeah, I don't. I don't think a girl has ever like taken her bra off for Nick. She's like, oh, girl. Hey, look at it. Oh. So, <laughs> but I love her line here. She says she's talking about going to the symphony for the first time, and her dad tells her, "Close her eye, close your eyes, and you can see the music." Mm-hmm. And that's one of those yeah. lines that has really stuck with me. And I do that. Like, try it if you have it. It's amazing. Do it with this podcast. Next song we queue up. Just close your eyes and listen to try and try and see the music. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe not this one because the next one is Joe Esposito's Lady, Lady, Lady. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not, not good advice. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go to a clip. So Alex starts dating Nick and this song is playing. And it, this song is just like pure 80s goo. <laughs> That's yeah. It's just like all of the 80s gooiness just like distilled into like its purest putty form. Sappy mid-tempo synth garbage. It's like if KY Jelly was a song. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like sticky and it gets everywhere and I guess it gets you in the mood, but... <laughs> It's not organic. No. And this 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 song I I like the synth in this but everything else is just gross, which yeah. disappoints me because like the only other Joe Esposito song I even know is the one from the Karate Kid soundtrack, You're the Best. Yes, and that song is pretty awesome. Yeah, and they're so far apart. Like this is really the same guy, really? Yeah. You're the Best is the Flashdance What a Feeling for Boys. Yes. Yes it is. 
So I actually picked up this 45. I don't even really like this song, but it had the picture sleeve with uh, Jennifer Beals in her tank top and her uh, jeans. And the B-side is actually He's a Dream. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I think it should have been the other way around, but I think actually Manhunt should have been the the single. But uh, Lady, 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 oddly enough, was used in 2017's Call Me By Your Name. Huh. Not a song I would have picked for the 2017 film, Call Me By Your Name. Okay, so that's three movies that Joe Esposito has a hand in. Yes. <laughs> this is kind of, yeah, their love montage. Uh, she takes him to an abandoned building, or maybe he takes her to the steel mill, because later his wife comments on it. Yeah. Uh, they go to the nicest places. And um, she's just like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, you are literally a professional dancer, Alex. People pay you money to see you dance. Nobody's paying those bimbos at the dance studio no one's paying them right like you are you're getting paid so knock it off no one wants to hear yourself doubt mm-hmm. so but she talks about like when you hear music your body just starts to move and have you ever watched brockmire i have not oh brockmire is so good but there's a part where he's uh in the hospital with a a girl that's just overdosed mm-hmm. and He's talking to, it's like this really dramatic moment. He's talking to, I don't know if it's her brother or her husband. It's somebody, somebody family. And he starts like dancing sort of in this really serious moment to the beat of the heart monitor. He's like, sorry, I took a bunch of ecstasy. It's like my body just can't help it. (laughs) So she's talking about like your body just starts to move. I was just picturing Hank Azaria writhing around. (laughs) Oh, but man. that's that's always the best kind of dancing like when you're just overtaken by the music mm-hmm. but uh there, during the sequence there's a, a, a bit where nick and alex have like a playful race up a flight of stairs which also happens in nine and a half weeks yes so but they don't um, have they don't have sex at the top of the stairs which is the big difference i think it's implied that they do right but in nine and a half weeks they just straight up show it yeah but she's talking about like being out on stage oh and your body just starts moving mm-hmm. and it's like i don't think that's true i like these are elaborately choreographed dances um and i think actually here we can jump to uh imagination by laura Branigan because her dance there is so choreographed like that's not just getting out there and just like rolling with it like clearly yeah, she's yeah. planned this out because this sequence is nightmarish this sequence will give people seizures Yes, so actually, let's play a clip so people can enjoy it before we describe it. Because it's a great song that is about to get ruined. because like gloria is really poppy yeah but this one is just like slick and funky and again it's got like a great riff Mm -hmm. i guess let's just call it what it is the music video is like if david byrne ran a titty bar (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much pretty much because she's in this weird clown makeup this like kind of kabuki makeup with this giant kind of half furry suit, like all these like f- all this weird angelic fringe hanging off it, 
like watching TV and then she starts to go insane and is like worshiping the TV, but also like repulsed by it. And again, this is a bar where people are eating hamburgers. Yeah, yeah. I just want to point that out. They're drinking beer directly out of the bottles. Yeah, this is like a Texas roadhouse or something. This is not <laughs> an upscale, you know, I don't even dance think theater. it's as fancy as a Texas roadhouse. This is like a Burger King where they serve booze. <laughs> and occasionally you see an upper thigh. Scandalous. I know. But this is it is the most choreographed thing I've ever seen. And again, like they let her like put up this set with the TV and all the the makeup and even when she's stripping, she's still down to like 80s mom workout gear. Yeah, really cuz she's wearing like uh, she's wearing like a red business suit with like a a black leotard or something underneath it. It's just ah, but with also about like electric ah. blue leggings that go to her knees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Against like a black and white grid outline for no real reason. Yeah, and how does that? You know, do the other dancers have to like move that off? Are there union guys who like come and disassemble the set and then put up the next girl's elaborate, stupid set? Probably no, Richie probably does it. Yeah, it's probably Richie. But again, like going back to he's a dream. Like somebody had to mop up the floor after she dumped a gallon of water all over herself. Like that water got probably got in somebody's hamburger. Ooh, yeah, that's a uh, that's a disease catcher right there. Yeah, it's that's... just like what if one of the other girls slips? Is like work? Does Workman's Comp cover that? I don't know. I slipped the disc dancing on on top of a watery stage. Whoops. Yeah, in spike heels. For a bunch of guys eating hamburgers and drinking Miller Lite. I was dancing for 40 people, but two were paying attention. Yeah. Um, Also, it should be noted, you know who wrote the lyrics to Imagination? No. Michael Sambello. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he actually had a real hand in this. Um, But yeah, that sequence is is worth watching. Do not watch if you have a history of epilepsy. Yeah, watch maybe the first two minutes and then... Stop. Yeah. Just <laughs> close your eyes. Because it gets fucking weird. And again, she's doing like the kind of puppet thing. Like we see her watching all of these like French ballet companies, but her dancing seems to come from like Punch and Judy. <laughs> <laughs> or like weird marionettes. Yeah, yeah. Well It's um... upsetting. <laughs> But yeah, so it's, it's like that kind of dancing that, that it's they don't teach like modern dancing at that studio, but she wants to go to that studio because that's where that's where you go to learn how to dance. But that's not the dancing that she does. The dancing she does is weird and experimental and kind of uh, I don't have any other words to describe that. Unsettling. Dance. Very. Un- yeah. Very unsettling. Now. So afterwards, she goes to the ballet with Hannah yes. and she sees Nick. With his ex-wife. And, like, I don't know about you. I was angry about this. Like, I was like, Nick, you cat! And then I remember that he sucks. And it's like, okay, well, at least his wife's his own age. That's true. And when the... the Do you see the male ballet dancer? You see, like, his whole area. Oh, yeah. There's nothing left to that imagination. Yeah. No, they, no there's not. It's like, yeesh, okay. Yeah, you... You, everybody's got to put it on the line for that that line of work. Yeah, well, my grandmother used to never really... My grandmother loved the ballet, but she always said it looked like there were two gerbils wrestling in there. She did not like it when they showed the male dancers up close. She did not like that. I'll bet not. Yeah, so... And then Alex uh, jealously throws a window, or throws a rock through Nick's 
window. Honestly, if dancing doesn't work out, she should try her hand at baseball. That's quite a throw. Yeah, she was. That's a pretty solid throw she has there. And over, like overhand too. That's not like a softball pitch. No, yeah, no. She smashes that window, and then he gets mad at her because, oh, it was like a seven hundred dollar window. Like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, fuck you, Nick. Eat a eat a bag of dicks. So Richie decides to move to L.A. He closed up the shop, sold the house, bought a ticket to the West Coast, and now he gives them a stand-up routine in L.A., as the great poet William Joel once said. Mm, yeah. So, Words we can uh, all live by. Yep. So, um, on, But it should be noted he does that on one set. <laughs> one mediocre set where a bunch of drunk people felt sorry for him. Yep. In a... Like a bar that maybe has a maximum occupancy of 65. Never let it be said that Lee Ving was not a career maker. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Um, But then again, this film is about chasing your dreams and he chases his dreams. And she chases her dreams of wearing only a tuxedo front and telling Nick's wife that she fucked his brains out. Yeah. And you, you skip straight to the the punchline of that scene, but like take a step back for a minute and she, where she's eating lobster in a, in the most sexual way you could possibly eat lobster but also saying that she doesn't like it. And she went from like, I'm not going to date my boss to, I will blow you under this table. Yeah. Like insanely <laughs> fast. I don't think she said she did like that. I think she was trying to tell him something, you know, speaking code. How's the lobster? It sucks. Yeah, I know, and, but still. And like, then he's like, want like some of mine. Lobster. And then she puts her foot in his crotch. Yeah, and it's just, <sighs> stop it, stop it. I will say, though, that tuxedo had, like, it influenced me deeply. So, <laughs> I bet. made a tuxedo front like that. Uh, so. That that fancy yet sexual dinner scene also happens in nine and a half weeks. Yes, so. <laughs> this is a dress rehearsal for nine and a half weeks. It really is. It really is. With a much better soundtrack. Agreed, because there's no Brian Ferry on it. Thank fuck. So, um, but yeah, so Nick's wife comes over and harasses them and she gives it right back and <laughs> turns out she's only wearing the front part of the tuxedo. Whoops. Yeah. Um, and then she goes and gets an application to the dance studio because I guess she's feeling inspired and or horny. Um, and then Nick calls in a favor. Uh, yeah. Which I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, there's there, it's it's complicated because like on the one hand, like ah, I get it, he's just trying to do something nice for her, but also she was kind of hoping to do this of her on her own accord, and he just sort of short circuited all of that. Yes, but on the other hand, all those other dancers didn't get there like quote unquote on their own accord. They had, you know, dance teachers and everything else. Angry you moms know, that just... would take them to dance class every Saturday, whether they liked it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously came from a background that could afford to do that. Right. Right. So he's just in a way like leveling up her advantage that she didn't have. It could be looked at that at it, like that way. So either, either he's using his privilege to help her out or uh, he is offering her nepotism that she doesn't want yeah but also she gets so she gets mad at him when she finds out that he did this but then she goes through with it anyway yeah well and the i mean and i can i totally see that because that in some part might imply that he doesn't believe that she's talented enough on her own Mm -hmm. 
But then again, they wouldn't have seen her talent because they just would have seen the application. But also he says to her, like when she gets mad and like leaves, gets out of his car and walks down the street, he says like, I got you in the door. The rest is up to you. Which yeah, which I, is, I get. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it was malicious. It was, it was the move of a guy who thinks money can buy everything. Yes. So. And it looks, it looks a little bit worse than it probably now than it probably did 30 years ago. Yeah. But, uh. We jump ahead. I don't even know in what span this movie takes place. Like, is it six months? Is it a hundred years? Is it a week? Is it four days? Who knows? But um, it's Halloween. Oh, it's Halloween now. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Jack is on stage in a dog costume dancing to Donna Summer's Romeo. <laughs> so let's go to a clip of this one. Let's play Romeo. I like this song a lot. <laughs> yeah, I this one I like parts of it, but I hate the way she says "ochaka" because that's like that's a bad noise. Oh yeah, that's kind of a barf noise. Um, and it's got it's got a lot of sex noises. It's and, true. Yeah, and because it's Donna Summer, of course, it's like extremely disco, which I'm not against. It's got a lot of like disco beats and a lot of synth, but also like some really fun horn sections going on too. Yeah, and but you could definitely like taste the neon oh absolutely that's inherent in this song i don't love donna summer but i respect the hell out of her yeah i like a good donna summer song and this is a this is a good donna summer song like, i'm not yeah, well versed in it but i like what i know you know yeah oh i'm it's it's disco for the 80s because again like we had the disco backlash but she still managed to, to have this i would love to hear this um more as like a gay thing like a gay theme I would love like a really camped up version of this. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it, there ins- is- instead, this is basically Jack's theme as he's uh, dancing for his employees. Yeah, which very is also un- very unsexily. I'm sorry. Yes, which I love. And then one of the other dancers gets up and is dancing with him. That's hysterical. Um, there is a whole line about how he calls her at two in the morning, and she's like, "I want to go to sleep," but he, you know, he's got away with words and he's got away with charm. And it's mm-hmm. three in the morning, and he's back here in my arms. There is no man on earth, not even Walton Goggins, who can call me up at three in the morning for sex. Okay, maybe Walton Goggins, but um, fair enough. <laughs> no, it's just like, man, you didn't want it like at eleven o'clock. Like, come on, I gotta go up for work. Right. <laughs> I'm old now. I can't just be letting you into my room. So who shows up at the, who shows up at the Halloween party in an alligator suit? It's Richie, back from Richie. Los Angeles. Who has failed miserably. Yes. As we all predicted he would. I have a feeling he got to maybe Ohio and his car broke down because he's a pathetic loser. I don't think he got to LA. I think he got about 60 miles out. He says he he says they offered him a job and then pauses and says, as a waiter. Yeah, and I'm then not he a says, waiter, I'm a cook. I'm a cook. <laughs> he tries to get back with Jeannie, but oh no, Jeannie's with Johnny now. Oh, oh shit. No. You missed your yeah. chance, Richie. Yeah, exactly. She's literally the best you're gonna do. Uh, you know, I always in the in this film the way he hangs out with Alex, I always kind of felt like he was sort of the in the friend zone with Alex. I think he probably is in the friend zone a lot of the time. 
Yeah, but I feel like, you know, he's he came back because he knew if Nick fucks up, he'll be there. Yeah. And, you know. He's a scumbag. Now's the time for Richie. <laughs> yeah, it's Richie's world now. <laughs> Alex he's, is just he's, living in it. He's the ducky of Flashdowns. <laughs> he really is. He even wears the same hat. Yes, like, while cooking. God, he sucks so God, He's the worst. Let's move this along here. We got to get to the end. Good news. Alex got into dance school, but then bad news. She found out that what's-his-face mm-hmm, got X. her in. And then she is sad, and so she doesn't show up for work, and she finally talks to Jack and asks if Jeannie's there. Well, Jeannie works now at Zanzibar. <laughs> so, which we discover is not a nudie bar. It is a G-string bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, although it's kind of implied that she's nude because she's like laying on a table, just like rolling her legs around. Like, I guess. Yeah, like the- very super close up in front of the camera, rolling her legs around so that you can't see anything. Yeah. And like, it's you- like the actress didn't want to do nudity. So they just like, oh, let's just do it like this. Yeah. And that actress, by the way, is Sunny Johnson. Yes. Um, It should be noted. She died at age 30 of a like a brain aneurysm like a oh blood clot. like very suddenly it was very sad oh geez so, i know because she's really pretty and cute um so but um she is dancing to uh cycle v's seduce me tonight Ugh. i love this song let's go to a clip <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like the vibe this one gives off. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. It's like if Brian Adams and Ario Speedwagon had a nerdy baby with a big dick. <laughs> and you ask why I don't like this song. You just said it. <laughs> it's so corny, but it's so funny. And it's just like, because it's not shy. It's just like out there about wanting to fuck. It's like where the good girls won't, but the bad girls will. It's like, I don't know. It sounds like it should be in like joysticks or something. Like it's a very 80s, like... <laughs> boob comedy kind of song yeah I, I i can see that yeah that makes a lot of sense i still like don't it, like it <laughs> i love it it's just it's so trashy but it's like it's sunny but also grimy yeah i mean this is very like mid 80s strip club music because it's just just goofy and horn doggy enough to make it work yeah. but i just yeah it's not for me <laughs> i love it it's super trashy this is my makeout song for walton goggins um. oh geez <laughs> oh, so now you're you're back into his good graces. Okay. Yeah, I, me and God uh, are back to, You're back together back now. Together. I see how it is. Yeah. yeah. I see how um, it is. But yeah, I just oh but you see that like Jeannie is really, really fucked up here. Yeah. And it's implied that she's on drugs, although we don't know what kind of drugs. It's sort of like in the room where Lisa is shaking uh God, I can't think of his name there. Yeah. Um, and she's like, What kind of drugs did you take? <laughs> so, oh boy. But Alex rescues her from the strip club. Jeannie realizes she's made a mistake. Yeah. And uh, then we move on to uh, a, not, a very unexpectedly sad note. Yeah. Because we get like a sad montage. Um, and she and Nick fight some more and there's more sadness. And then she finds out that Hannah has died. Ooh. It's like this movie really didn't need that. No. I, mean, I guess it I guess it did because it like prompts her to like go for her dreams. But still, poor Hannah. Now she doesn't really have anybody to celebrate with. Yeah, except for Nick. 
Uh, Nick. I guess you could celebrate with Richie. So what we then what we then get is a a sadness montage where she's like practicing her workout routine in mourning, very <laughs> sadly, to Kim Carnes' I'll be here where the heart is. Oh man. And it's so like throaty and sad. It's got those big wavy synths. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually I prefer this over Betty Davis eyes. My Kim Carnes song. Same. Big but same. This song was like genetic it was like engineered in a lab for breakups. Mm-hmm. So although I actually of all the times my heart has been broken, um I've never listened to this as a breakup song. I like my breakup songs meaner. Mm. Like I much more like to go with like the Smiths. I get that, yeah. Kim Carnes, yeah. Ang- a little angrier, a little more upset, not just sad and uh I know the song is a breakup song, but the movie doesn't use it like a breakup song. It's just like a song of pure sadness. Like the whole world, the whole world's against me. Yeah. I swear I to God. I swear to God. <laughs> but uh, if Giorgio Moroder had the love theme, this is the sad theme. <laughs> yeah. It's on the B side. We've gone from happy to sad. Yep. But um, she also goes to an older dancer for advice. And the advice the dancer gives her, you could just put it in the sound clip. It's like, one day I stop buying costumes and then I don't know what happened. Like, thanks. That's really uplifting. What do I do about my dreams? Oh, one day you'll forget about your dreams. Yeah. And you'll just end up like, I'm sure that the dancer is maybe like 35. But she's like, and you'll end up, you know, doing weird dances in front of welders. In front of TV screens. Don't even throw dollar dollar bills at you <laughs> so oh, you, want, you want some of my used hamburger i'll throw that to you yeah used hamburger <laughs> why did i say used <laughs> <laughs> how else do you use a hamburger <laughs> oh boy uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. fun fun story so the other day i had a bunch of uh, a team come out to the house to do a bunch of tree trimming because i can't do that shit and after they left i went out to inspect their work and i noticed a hamburger just sitting on the ground a whole hamburger <laughs> just sitting on the ground <laughs> was it used it apparently was because uh, why is it on the ground i don't know <laughs> but it made me think something was like bad wrong with it like somebody had spit in it or something Oh, was it one of those fake cop hamburgers where they're like, I'm a cop, and they put a razor blade in my hamburger, and then there's, like, clear video footage of him putting a razor blade in his hamburger? (laughs) I ain't gonna die on no burger joint. Yeah, (laughs) no. I bet it was. Um, I missed that scene in Surviving Edge Weapons. Um, But no, that's... fucking hamburgers man anyway but um she does give some uplifting advice uh which honestly should have been my senior quote which is what the hell it's showtime which is like i guess that's uplifting like it's sort of what the what the hell the show must go on basically yeah and um tina fey recounts that lauren michaels said the show doesn't go on because it's ready the show goes on because it's 11 30 right which is great advice when you for instance work at a newspaper Mm. um but alas, she goes to her audition and she again dances to flash dance. What a feeling. And it should be noticed she stumbles at first because she's trying to be yes. fancy. And then she just gives it her all with like street dancing and crazy legs. And ta-da, she gets into the dance academy. Yay. 
Hooray. And the, the secretary is there like clapping along. She, oh, she loves the routine. Yes. It's, it's a nice touch that like this, the lady who was at first sort of the gatekeeper of this whole thing. Oh, she loves what Alex is doing. Yes. And I'm happy for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, it's hard not to feel uplifted at the end because she earns it. Yeah. Oh, we're happy for Alex. She did good. <laughs> This, again, one of the more parodied scenes in 80s cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just everywhere. Like, uh, I, ju- I just posted before the show started, you, you had posted the, the clip of the, her dancing, and I posted a scene from uh, the TV show Stella, where they basically do that <laughs> whole scene, but wearing uh, skunk tails for no apparent reason. Why not? Why the hell not? Yeah. It's iconic. It's great. So, um, and... You know, we're left with the lesson, never give up on your dreams. Take your passion and make it happen. Exactly. So our passion is this podcast, and we made it happen. We are making it happen for you, everybody. Final thoughts about Flashdance. How does this? How does the soundtrack hang together? Amazing and a- awesome and perfect and could only be better with the inclusion of Laura Branigan's Gloria. What do you think? Wow. Yeah. Uh, hard agree. <laughs> That's it. It's a, it's a much better soundtrack than it is a movie. But it the, is a much better the, soundtrack than it is a movie. The music videos that the movie's comprised of are also great. So, And they tried to make a Flashdance musical. Ew. No. And Ew. it didn't, didn't work out. They thought about doing a sequel, and Jennifer Beals is like, nah. <laughs> no thanks. It should also be pointed out that Jennifer Beals is mentioned in one of the Hanukkah songs. She is Jewish. So... He calls How her about that? He calls her Flash Dancer Jennifer Beals. Flash Dancer. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. So what are we doing uh next time? News happens faster than we can react to it on this show, but with the passing of Joel Schumacher, I think it's time for us to dive back into the world of the shoe, I guess as you call it. Uh next time on the show we're talking about Lost Boys. Ooh. This is going to be awesome. Because we could talk about Sax Guy. Everyone's favorite. Everyone loves Sax Guy. <laughs> sax Guy is the best. This is a oh. Sax Guy fan cast. This is a Sax Guy fan cast, everybody. And we are here for you. So if you want to send us any uh, questions or comments, you can get those to us at OST Party on Twitter. Email us, ostpartypod at gmail.com. Uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. And the Shattered Shield is actually coming back from a long hiatus. So, All uh, right. Yes, this week we are talking about the episode Kavanaugh. Fantastic. Uh, yes. So where can they find you, Joe? They can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat or find me on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps. Uh, we're coming. We're almost at our 100th episode. We're still kind of deliberating what to do, but uh, you best believe it's going to be a good one. Oh, ooh, I can't wait. Yes, this is a milestone for us, and I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so that's going to have to do it for this week. So for the OST party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride.